We live at an interesting time of the year when many in the world will pause and want to give remembrance to Jesus. Many sayings that come down through the years, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I often thought he's not the reason for the season, he's the reason for life. When we look at his birth, or many will consider his birth at this time of the year, and sometimes fail to see what else is said concerning him. Oftentimes we need to take heed to what Paul Harvey used to say as he gave the news. And now the rest of the story. There's more to it than just his birth. And we need to be reminded of that in our lives at times. And we need to think about who he is and what's involved in it. And at times, many in the world do not really realize that there is no record that we have of the Christians in the New Testament ever celebrating the birth of Jesus as an annual observance. He is not a one-time memory for a year. He is one that is to be reminded or to be really be reminded of that he lives or is to live each day with us in the life that we live. You listen to the world as they want to celebrate Jesus or his birth at this time of the year. It's always interesting that man has his perception of what took place regardless of what the scriptures have to say about what took place. It's interesting to also consider the response of the religious leaders of his day towards what took place. We know from Luke 2 and verse 8 that there were shepherds in the field and that they came to worship him, tended their flock at night, because again the scriptures give us no time reference as to when exactly he was born. But it's interesting. You watch all of the scenes that are taking place concerning the birth of Jesus and all the displays that are out there. It's always interesting to have the wise men. We're not told how many, but what you see around is what? Three wise men because of the three gifts. But they have forgotten what Matthew had to say. And Matthew has a lot to say if you go into chapter 2 of that chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
In those days, Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests, scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It's interesting. One is, there was no question as to where the Messiah, the king, was to be born. They knew the scripture. But what is interesting is that Bethlehem is about six miles from Jerusalem. And they have wise men who came from the east into Jerusalem asking where he was. And they could tell him where he was to be born. And Herod sent them on the way to make inquiry and they found him to come back and to report to him. But it's interesting, is it not? If the Jews were anticipating the birth of Jesus and knew exactly what town he was to be born in and to receive a report that some men from the east had come to worship this king, that there was not a religious leader in Jerusalem that would make the trip to Bethlehem. They wouldn't even go down to investigate. Is this true or not? And as many who will accept this concept of the birth of Jesus, but will not take the time to investigate, is that really true or not? They will remember his birth. But in a few short pages, a few short chapters, if you go over to chapter 7 of Matthew, you look at verses 21 through 23, they do not go there. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, and many will come to him saying, look at all the good things they've done. And he would say, depart, I never knew you. Ye workers of iniquity. They will not take the time to investigate. They know scripture. Many of them do, but they will not investigate further what it is that Jesus would have them to do. But it's also interesting that when you read a little farther down in Matthew chapter 2, That when they get down to verse 9, when they 
Heard the king, the wise men departed, and behold, the star which had seen in the east went before them until it stood over where the baby in swaddling clothes was laid. Know what your text says? No, that's not what mine says. It says where the young child was. And they saw the star, and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joys. And when they had come into the manger, and saw the young baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Is that what it says? No. When they had come into the house, and they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures. But what is every scene that you see around concerning the birth of Jesus? You have the wise men at the manger with baby Jesus wrapped in the swaddling clothes. And when the wise men depart another way and Herod decides to kill all the male children in Judea, He starts with the age of two, from the time that he had gathered from the wise men as to how old that child would be, from two years on down. It's an interesting thought again, of how we choose to do what we want to do, regardless of what the text of the Word of God has to say. And we need to be careful. Those early churches found themselves to be content with the apostles' doctrine. Acts 2 and verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the fellowship and in the breaking of bread in a prayer. It is important for us to remember his birth, but it's also important to remember what Jesus said. As we had partaken of the Lord's Supper this morning, this is a matter that Jesus said we need to remember him. To remember his body that would be broken on the cross. To remember his blood that would be shed for many for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. And that as often as you did this, and from Acts 20 and verse 7, we find out that they did it every first day of the week. As often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. Jesus showed the way he wanted to be remembered. And we live in a world that chooses another way of wanting to remember him. And at times to say even those of the Lord's body want to choose other ways of remembering who Jesus is. They forget why he came. You should call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. 
But to save his people, he had to die on the cross. His blood had to be shed for the remission or the forgiveness of sins, to be the atonement for the sacrifice of what Jesus has said. Yea, his birth signified, as his name was implied, Emmanuel, God with us. And you think about remembering God with us in the flesh. The marvel of that within itself. But then you think about God in the flesh being crucified because of my sin. That God had to die on that cross in order for me to have the hope of forgiveness of my sins and to have the hope of an eternal life with him one day. This is the way Jesus chose for us to remember him. To look at those promises, but all of those promises that we have in the Old Testament were not just concerning his birth or where it was that he was going to be born, but it was also for the fact that he was going to establish a kingdom. Daniel 2 and verse 44 that would never be destroyed. And then yet you hear religious people talk about the fact that that kingdom has not yet been established. It's interesting again because they know Daniel 2.44. They understand the context of Daniel 2.44. That in the days of these kings... And they understand the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, the Greek Empire, and that the fourth one would be the Roman Empire. Daniel names three of them in his book by name before they became empires. And the fourth one that would follow would be the Roman Empire. And yet they know that. And yet they will not accept that the fact that the Roman Empire no longer exists. Rather than accepting what the Bible says and understanding the time frame in history, they have chosen to reinvent the Roman Empire to fit their schedule that they have made up. I'm saying all of that to also remind us how close are we to really finding out what the Bible says? How many times have we looked at one verse 
And yet if we've just gone a little bit further, it would give a different perspective on what that text says. Through Timothy, Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 that we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God as a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but one who rightly divides the word of truth. It's finding that right division. It's understanding what is involved. It's going beyond of knowing as the Jews of Jesus' day, they knew exactly where the Messiah was to be born. They knew it was to be of a lowly birth. And yet was, when presented with the opportunity to see that birth, they chose not to. They asked somebody else. They asked the strangers, the wise men from the east. Strangers, you, you go look at it. You go, you go check it out. You go see what's going on. And then you come back and tell us about it. But even when the Messiah was in the city of Jerusalem, they still chose not to accept who he was. He did not fit what they wanted. And we live in a world religiously... We live in a world even within the Lord's church to where the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of what the church is, the truth of where salvation is found, of who will be included and who will be excluded, is not what they want to hear. So they simply change what they read to fit what they want to hear. That's human nature. You see, human nature within itself is not acceptable unto God. For all is sin and comes short of the glory of God. Wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. You're a new creation as a child of God. Which means we do not accept the partiality of God's word. not a pick and choose cafeteria style what we found writ- find written on the pages of his word it's the response to God that he is who he is and he has done what he said he was going to do and he will do what he has promised But as John would record for us in Revelation 2 and verse 10, 
Be thou faithful unto death, and you shall receive that crown of life. It's hard to share with the world a true perspective of what the birth of Jesus means. They really do not want to hear it. Even those who claim allegiance to him really do not want to hear what that birth of Jesus means and what it means to have forgiveness of sins not in the way that they have prescribed but in the way that God has prescribed and that they are to live their life not in the way that they have prescribed but in the way that God has prescribed. Hard for us at times to work with Luke 17 and verse 10. When we have done all that we have done, all that we can say is that we are unprofitable servants. We've only done that which has been asked of us. Whatever it is that we do, Whatever sacrifice that we make, however long we serve God, is nothing less than what God has asked of us. No room for boasting, no room for arrogance, but a centering in on the thought of doing all that God has asked. Go back and read the, the first recorded sermon, if you will, that Jesus gave, what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. As you read that, are you doing all? Are you doing all that he's asked? doing his will, the surrendering of the life. Grateful for the time that the world may think about Christ. It is an opportunity that we're presented with to try to expand upon that a little bit with them. If nothing more than simply to reread the account and to correct some of the misperceptions that we have. But then it's important for them to go on. You think about it again. Jerusalem. Six miles from Judea, from Bethlehem. Six miles from Bethlehem. And they would not. They would not make the journey. God's people. God's people who knew exactly what was to be coming would not do it. What about us? Are we six miles from understanding what it is God wants from us? I know what it says, but I'm not making the journey to do it. What shall we miss? 
Jesus is the Savior of all the world. He came with a desire to save. I always appreciate it when our song leaders lead that beautiful star of Bethlehem. That means one less time I have to try to do it. But it's to go on. It's to be reminded of what it is that God would have us to do. Softly and tenderly. His meekness, his mildness is not consent to not obey. Softly and tenderly he calls because he is the Messiah. But there's coming a day when he will not be the Messiah. That he will be the judge of all the earth. Rendering unto each one according to their deeds. Whether they be good. Whether they be bad. Do not take his patience. His long suffering. To be an excuse. Not to change the life. Make the change while there is that opportunity. As you look at your life this morning, where is it? In the eyes of God. Is there a need for you to make a change? You need to become a child of God if you're not yet. Through the belief that he is the Messiah, the Savior. That he died for your sins. The willingness to repent of those sins, turn from them. Confess him as the Lord, obey him in baptism for the remission of sins, forgiveness of sins, to be raised, <coughs> excuse me, to be raised to walk a new life, or as that child of God, who've let the world begin to place some separation between you and the Lord to come home, come back to that first love. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.